Well, what's up, team? Do me a favor. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Um, leaders, please be looking around to help people who may not know exactly where 1 Samuel is or have ever even heard of it. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And while you guys are turning there, while you guys are looking for where that is, um, know that this is what we've kind of been doing. We've been going through a series called The Whole Story. And the, the goal of the whole story is to show you guys that the Bible is not just a group of different stories. It's one whole story. See what I did there? Um, and it, it's the story of how Christ has come to save his people, how Jesus has come to save his people. And we started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve walking with God in the beginning, and their sin got them removed, got them away from God's presence. And in the same way, your sin, the sin in your life, separates you from God And now you worship these things that are not God, and and you're actually a slave to these things. Just like the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and so God sent Moses. Have you ever seen the prince of Egypt? Give me, raise your hand, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, like eight of you, what is wrong? Um, So yeah, wonderful film. And so Moses comes, God uses Moses to save his people. He brings the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And, And this is why that's special. The promised land, the land of Canaan, is kind of God's attempt at the Garden of Eden too, where his people will dwell with him again, just like Adam and Eve dwelled with God in the Garden of Eden. On their way to the promised land, Moses dies. Okay, It's not a spoiler alert. It's like 2,000 years. Read it. You know what I'm saying? So Moses passes away, Okay, and then he's replaced by this guy named Joshua. Joshua comes and leads his people, the Israelites, into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. And so last week where we left off, Joshua has died. Joshua has passed away, and now God has raised up what's called judges. And these judges, are there's 15 of them. Have you ever heard of Samson, the strong man, Deborah, Gideon? These people are judges, and they are raised up to judge Israel. Ooh, that's offensive. And, he, and they bring Israel back to where they should be. And we talked about last week how it's okay to judge. It's okay to say, this is wrong, or this will not help you, or this guy is not good for you, or this thing that you're doing is dangerous, or this is not what God wants for your life. It's okay to judge like that. And we talked about ways that judging is healthy. Because you don't want to be a GPS, where you're like, bing, wrong way, bing, rerouting, bing. I, got, I know, you know what I mean? You don't want to be like smacking people with it. You need to judge in a way that helps them. And we talked about that last week, and we got through the book of Judges. And now what's happened is the last judge, so you follow me, we're all on the same page, right? The last judge is this guy named Samuel. And Samuel is getting old. Um, he can't rule and help like he used to. And Israel is getting bored with Samuel. They're getting over Samuel and the judges. No disrespect to Sam Trailer. Um, but Sam, he just didn't have it like he used to, okay? Um, and so Samuel is starting to fade. And so the people are getting tired of God and his plan, and they want a king instead, okay? Which brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 8. So look along with me, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Here we go. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you have gotten old, and your sons do not follow the Lord. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the other nations. But this thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king instead. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. 
And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, they have rejected me, the Lord, from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from, even, from Egypt even to this day. And that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Last verse, verse 9. Now then, listen to their voice, however, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of a king who will rule over them. Um, I could spend a year in this paragraph and not run out of material, but we're not going to do that tonight. We might eventually. Um, But here's the point of tonight, okay? Here's the deal. Churched, unchurched, whatever. I want to help you tonight. I want to help you understand whether or not you're a Christian. I want you to know that for a fact Yes or no, by the time you leave this room tonight. That is my goal. That is my aim. I want to show you what it looks like to really follow Christ. I want to show you what it means to lay your life down for Him. We left off here last week. You don't have to turn there unless you really want to, but you don't have to. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. We talked about this last week. This is the situation that Samuel is in. Here we go. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is the root problem with Israel. They have God's presence. They have God's law. They have God's word. They have God's servants in the judges to guide them and protect them. And yet they still refuse to listen to God. And instead they do what's right to them. They do what's right in their own eyes. That's what that means. And this problem didn't stay in the promised land. This problem of doing what's right in your own eyes. Because it's not a problem with the promised land. It's a people problem. We all do this. I do this. God is their king. But the way they acted, it's as if there was no king in Israel. There was no standard of truth for them to say, this is where we all need to be. There was no truth for them to submit to. And this is a big problem because this is the dominant message in our culture. This is the dominant message of Instagram. This is the dominant message of Snapchat and television, if you remember what TV is. This is the dominant message of everything you and I are exposed to in our culture. And it's this. This is the message that you you don't have to be a theologian or know all the depths to understand this. This is the message of the world. True freedom is the ability to do whatever you want with no boundaries. This is the message of the world. True freedom is being able to do whatever you want with no boundaries. You should be able to marry whoever you want. You should be whatever gender you want to be. If you don't feel like living anymore, you can ask a doctor to take your life. That is becoming legal in more and more countries. We think that true freedom is getting whatever we want, whenever we want it. But that only leads to disaster. Doing what's right in your own eyes all the time only leads to disaster. Remember way back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are with God and they're tempted by Satan. And Satan says, if you will do what you want to do instead, then you'll be like God. Now, what does that mean, to be like God? It meant that when you're like God, you can make your own rules. There's true freedom in doing what you want to do. That's true freedom. Go get it. And if you can make your own rules, then you don't need His. 
Every single time you hear a song or see a commercial or watch a movie and the deepest message of it is you should be truly free by doing whatever you want to do, that is a whisper from Satan to you. His message has not changed. Do what you want. And it's hurting people instead of helping them. Instead of lining up their hearts with God's word, they ignore God's word. And this leads to disaster. But it's not just about the deep things like, like marriage. You know, like, Ryan, I'm not even getting married anytime soon. Thanks for reminding me of that. I am, so sorry. But marriage is not one of those things that you have to worry about right now, I don't think. Um, gender, physician-assisted suicide. By the way, all of these things we're going to be talking about in the college service at the turn of the new year. Um, it's also about the smaller things, too. Only they're not so small. Like example, I am not, we talked about this at, at cheerleading devotion a couple weeks ago, I am not going to forgive this person. End of discussion. I don't want to forgive my parents. I don't want to forgive this other person in my life. That's what I want, to not forgive them. End of discussion. I should get what I want. You see how it's the same thing? Let me ask you this question. Um, let's do this. Not a trick question. Hannah Dellis. How long, like a, when I say a fish, like with gills, don't try to make it more than it is, how long would a fish that needs gills live on land? Not long. Not long. Lost me with your scientific, yes, you're exactly right. Good. Everyone give it up for Hannah Dells. That was awesome. Not long. Exactly. The people on the podcast are like, what is happening? Um, a fish that wants to live on land would not last long. But, but what if a fish says, that's what I want? I want to live on land. I should get what I want, period. And you say that's so ridiculous, but here's the thing, guys. You not wanting to forgive someone is just like this fish not wanting to go back in the water. You are neglecting. You are saying no to something that you were built for. You were built to forgive. That's why it feels so good to do it. Just like it feels good when the fish gets back into the water and his gills begin to take in the water and he says, this is what I was made for. Staying angry at someone and not forgiving them is like dripping morphine. It makes you feel better, but it won't cure you. You see what I'm saying? Morphine is not medicine. You need surgery to help you. And maybe, you know, for you, maybe it's not like a grudge. Like you're not mad at anybody. Maybe for you, it's not holding a grudge. Maybe you're doing things physically with your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're not meant for yet. Or maybe you're looking at things online that your soul was just not meant to see. Or maybe, maybe, my church kids, maybe you're hiding a big sin and it is eating you alive and you won't tell anyone about it. And just below the surface in your heart, you're like a fish trying to live on land. You're miserable, gasping for air, because you're trying to do something that you're not built to do. You see that? You weren't built to hold a grudge. When God designed you, He didn't design the part where like, that's where she's going to be able to let it really sink in. He didn't design you to hold a grudge. He didn't design you to act out physically before it was time. He didn't design your eyes and your soul to take in these things online that you're taking in. He didn't design you to hide your sin and let it bottle up. But it's right in your own eyes. So you do it. Look back at 1 Samuel chapter 8. Look at, 
This is Israel's reason for leaving God. Look at verse 5. And when I find it, we will read it. And they said to him, Behold, Samuel, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us, Here's like all the other nations. Give us a king so that we can be like all the other nations. But here's the problem. The Israelites, God's people that he chose and freed by his own hands, God's people weren't meant to be like other nations with sinful, broken kings ruling them. They, were, they weren't meant to be a part of the world. They were meant to be a symbol to the world. Different, set apart. Did you know that's what the word holy means? Holy doesn't mean cleaner than the other person. The word holy literally means set apart. This was Israel's destiny, but they gave up that destiny. And do you know why? Because it wasn't appealing to them. Because they didn't want it. We don't want your plan. We don't want you to be our king. This is Israel's big problem, and that's the root reason. Here it is. So bring it in for just a minute, and then you can tune back out. This is the reason so many people don't follow Christ today from middle school to high school because they don't want to. You don't want to. You want to be like everyone else. You want to be like the other nations. And there's pieces of my heart. It's the same thing that, that feel that tug to go be where everyone else is. You see them on Instagram which is such a lie, by the way. You see them in the halls, or you hang out with them on the weekends or at night, or, or during the day. I don't know why I put at night in my notes. They, and, they, and they seem, but these people that you, you're with, they seem so much happier, so much better off. And while they're sleeping in on Sunday, guess where you get to go? You're here. And in your mind, it begins to grow like a seed. I don't want to be here. I can't wait until I can make my own decisions. Then I won't have to go here anymore. This is Israel's heart, and this is our heart. And the Lord responds. Look at verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. Listen, the Lord says, For they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king over them. For a lot of you, is, is me in your Bible, is it capitalized probably? That's because it's the Lord speaking. The Lord is saying, they have rejected me. God is saying, here it is, God is saying, Israel's biggest problem is not the other armies they face. I took care of all that. Israel's biggest problem is not that they don't have food or clothes. I brought them to the promised land. The land filled with milk and honey. I've given them everything they need. God is saying, here it is. God is saying, Israel's biggest problem isn't with the world. Israel's biggest problem is with me. And in the same way, your biggest problem is not your schedule. Your biggest problem is not your lack of sleep, so you go to bed instead of quiet time. Your biggest problem is not that you don't like the music or that you don't like the speaker, sorry, so you don't go. Your biggest problem is with God. 
And your friend's biggest problem, these kids that, and I, and I talk, and they're so sweet, but you invite them week after week. Just come. Just come one time. Just come to collide with me. Just come to Wednesday night with me. Just one time, and every time there's an excuse. Guys, those excuses are not their problem. Your friend's biggest problem is with God. Their real problem is with God. If they're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, ultimately, at the very bottom, it's not because you don't understand. It's not because you've still got questions. You're not a Christian because you don't want to be one. Because you know that it means every day you will have to put your life on the table and tell Jesus, take it. Have it. Today, it's yours. My relationship is yours. The way I spend my Christmas money is yours. The way I spend my free time is yours. Jesus tells you to take up your cross and to follow him. God is telling Samuel, I've met all their needs and they still don't want to follow me. The reason you're not a Christian follow this, and your friend. Think of your friends. The reason you're not a Christian or the reason your friend is not a Christian is the same reason the Israelites weren't Christians. Because you want a different king. And you may feel, and here it is, and we talk about this all the time, you may feel all the feels at Collide or at Fields of Faith or at Passion, and that's fine. But remember, emotion is not the issue Action is the issue. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about dating for a minute. And again, everybody's like, oh, okay. Here's here's what happens. As a youth pastor, I cannot tell you how many college and high school students have come to me with like tears, and the emotions are there because they've been hurt by an ex or by someone they're dating now or by a relationship they tried, and and it's all there, and I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to do this again. I don't want to be here. And I'm like, okay, awesome. And we hug it out, and it's great. A week later, back to the same person. A week later, into another guy, into another girl. And I'm like, I, you just said for like an hour in my office. You felt, you see what I'm saying? You feel that, and that's good, that's fine, that's real. But your actions don't back it up. If you're a note taker, you need to write this down. Don't judge a sermon by how you feel during it. Judge it by how you act after. That's how you measure impact. Don't judge a church service by how you feel during. There's nothing wrong with feeling during. I feel it. My, my, Kristen's going to get sick of me because I'm going to feel all the feels every week. And she's, this is not in her DNA. But don't judge it by how you feel during. Judge it by how you act after. So begin, look at me. So act Take up your cross and follow him. Begin to act on this. Now, here's the response. And you hear it and you feel it and there's this pull and it's time. And you say to me, Ryan, I'm just not ready yet. To which I respond very theologically, bro, come on. Ryan, I just don't understand it all yet. Listen, me neither. This is my job. And I don't understand it all, but let me give you an example that Matt Chandler has said. Listen to this. If I would, let's just be real. Come on, look at me. If I was going to give you a billion dollars 
Nine zeros. A billion dollars. And you're, are you really going to look at me and say, well, Ryan, I'm just not financially ready for it yet. Are you? Really? Well, Ryan, I'm just not, I'm just not ready yet. Ryan, I, I just don't understand what I'm going to do with all that money. Bro, take the billion dollars. You can work it out as you go. You can figure it out as we go. And I'm telling you the same thing. Take up your cross. Follow Him. You can figure it out as you go. Don't wait. Don't sit there and I don't understand it all yet. I'm not ready for it yet. Take the He's offered you so much more than a billion dollars. Take it and we'll figure it out together as we go. So many high schoolers who are just fading out and I want to grab them by the shoulders. I can't do that, obviously. But I want to shake them and just say, what are you doing? Why are you waiting? Where have you gone? And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm asking you, put it on your shoulder and follow Him and we will figure it out as we go. I promise. If you're not a Christian, it's because you don't want to be. And I, my gosh, I pray. This is my prayer. I have prayer cards. And so many of you guys are on those. And, and I just pray that God would begin to soften your heart. That He would melt your heart of stone. And that you wouldn't be like the Israelites are here. That you wouldn't look at all the other kings that your friends worship. Money, relationships, stuff, popularity, individuality. Ugh, so cool. And, and, and you would say instead, I don't want to worship those things. I don't want to be like the other nations. I, I want God as my king. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. And this is the Lord speaking. Like all the deeds that they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, they have forsaken me and served other gods. Look, look at this. Moses has died. Joshua has died. The judges has died. This has been hundreds of years since they've been freed from Egypt. And God is saying, since day one, since the day I got them out of Egypt... They've wanted someone else as their king. Since the day the Red Sea split and they walked through, they wanted someone else as king, not me. Follow this. Repeated anger. Repeated unfaithfulness. Repeated grumbling. Repeated doubt of God that, look at me, never got better. Look right at me. Christians are not perfect. Oh my gosh, yes and amen. Christians are not perfect. But they are different. Being a Christian does not equal becoming perfect, but being a Christian does equal becoming different. Something shifts. Things change. You don't immediately become perfect. You will never be perfect on this side. But things begin, new priorities, new loves, new hungers, new desires. Things that used to taste really good to you don't taste so good anymore. There's a change that takes place. 
This has not happened to Israel. They may be, follow this, they may be out of Egypt, but they're still slaves. God just said, God just said, from the day I rescued them until now, they have forsaken me. God is saying, from the day I saved them, their heart has still been far from me. Their heart. Israel's demand for a worldly king is their hatred for God finally being put into words. Israel's demand for a worldly king is their hatred for God finally being put into words. And it's God's way of showing Samuel and showing us that the work of Moses, the exodus, remember the exodus is freeing them from Egypt. The exodus is incomplete. Remember, Exodus was God freeing the Israelites from Egypt. But even, now here we go, because this is where it has to do with you. Even though they're out of that bad situation, their heart is still broken and sinful. They're still slaves to their desires. Now listen, can God heal your heart after a breakup? Absolutely. Can God fix brokenness in your family? Absolutely. Can God move in your life to help you work harder at school and different things? Absolutely. But understand, and I wish I knew this when I was younger, if he heals your sadness, if he fixes the brokenness in your family, if he relieves the stress in your life, but your heart is still lost in sin, you are not free. Your exodus is still incomplete, just like Israel's. You're out of those circumstances, but slavery is still in your heart. Just like Israel was out of Egypt, but their heart was still enslaved. Moses can only get you out of Egypt. He cannot get Egypt out of you. You follow me on this? Moses can only get you out of Egypt. He cannot get Egypt out of you. That's why God sent someone better than Moses. You don't have to turn there. But we actually see Moses in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 9, we see Moses again. And Moses and a man named Elijah visit Jesus. And they're talking with him. And in Luke 9.31, it says this. Luke 9.31. They spoke to Jesus about his departure, about his death, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So they're speaking to Jesus about his death. His death, let's get another theologian, Mara Duke. The, Jesus dies on the what? Good, Mara. Christ dies, you see, you're just blazing that knowledge. Christ dies on the cross. They're speaking to him about his death on the cross. His death, his departure. But here's the thing, guys. The word they use there is not the word for death. The word they use there is not the word for departure. It is literally the word exodus in Greek. Christ is about to perform another exodus in the New Testament. In Hebrews it tells us Jesus is a better Moses because only he can bring the true exodus, the exodus of your heart. Christ is about to perform an even bigger getting out through the cross. The freedom that you seek by worshiping all of these other kings in your life, you're really looking for him. They were speaking to Jesus about his exodus, his adventure that he was about to start to get his people out of slavery, to get you out of sin. 
when you put your faith in Jesus, you begin a much bigger exodus than Israel ever had. We begin our journey not only out of Egypt, but our journey out of lust. Fellas, can you imagine? Fellas, can you imagine? Out of lust. We begin our journey out of anger, out of sin, out of death. In 1880, a man named Will Thompson wrote these words. And we'll close with this. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, sinner, come home. Why should we wait now? When Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me, why should we wait here ignoring His mercy? Mercy for you and for me. Will you come tonight? Will you take part tonight in what God is asking you to do? Will you come and talk? Will you come and talk with God? Surrender your life to Him. Take the billion dollars. Join with Jesus Christ. Become part of His bride. Pick up your cross tonight.